We'll read from the book of John 14, verse 15 to 27. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give, it, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Uh, so we are going to spend the first part of this year looking at... Uh, a bit of our purpose statement that we have as a church, which is uh, to know Jesus and demonstrate his love together. And um, we're going to just begin this year by looking at what it means to know God. What, what does that mean? This is kind of a phrase that we're aware of and understand and can comprehend. But what does that really mean to know God? And, you know, what we are as Christians, this important place, it's actually, this is so key for us, is what it means to know God and how we do that. And so we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. Now, I, um, I love a good mountain. I kind of love seeking out mountains. Unfortunately, here in Perth, we, we don't have many mountains available to us. But that one of the things when we went to, to uh, Hobart recently, I, was, I just told Michaela, we need to go up the mountain. It's like a 15-minute drive to get up the mountain uh, when you're in Hobart. So that was, that was beautiful, to go up um, an actual mountain. Uh, rather than the, these hills you have around us. Uh, yeah, there's just something amazing about the high place of being up and being able to see all around you. And yeah, I just feel so uh, yeah, in awe of, of God and his creation and what he can do. Um, and the wonder of God as, uh, yeah, really grabs me on those high places on, in, on a mountain. And so a few years ago, I decided uh, to do a trek up the closest mountain that we have, uh, Mount Cook, which is about an hour and a half towards Jaredale. It's not really a mountain, uh, it's more of a hill, but it's, they still call it Mount Hook Cook because that's what we've got. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I had a day to myself, so I just thought I'd, I'd go up a mountain, and uh, it was beautiful, it was an amazing day, got there nice and early, um, just being in nature and being in the bush is just, um, is just really nice for me, I enjoy that space, I enjoy that space kind of being with God, um, and yeah, just walking and adventuring uh, up a mountain. And so as I was trekking and going through, I got to kind of one hill and got to a high place, and it was pretty cool to see around, but I knew that that wasn't the mountain there. 
And so I kept going, and I got to another hill, and it was up, and again, it was beautiful seeing around, but I knew that wasn't the mountain. And so I kept going, kept going, and then I realized there's no mountain around here. What is happening? I swear, there was this, this is the way to the mountain. And I opened up my phone, looked at Google Maps. I'd been gone for over two hours at this point, And I realized at the very beginning, I went the wrong way. I went away from the mountain from the very beginning. I should have turned right and said I went left. Uh, And so here I am trekking towards the mountain. And the whole time, I'm going in the complete opposite way. Uh, So I didn't get up the mountain that time. I, I ventured home and... That was okay. It was still amazing, beautiful to be out there, and um, I didn't see it as lost time. I did eventually, uh, actually a couple of years ago, Michaela and I went to the mountain that I was hoping to go to, so we have been there. Uh, So uh, I did catch up on lost time, but it's, yeah, I, for some reason, just was going the completely wrong way. Though I thought that I was going the right way, uh, I turned the wrong way and went in the, a completely different direction. Now, the, the way we go really directs the destination that we get to. It's, it matters which way we go in order to get to the right destination. And throughout the Bible, uh, there's often talk of following God's ways. In Deuteronomy um, chapter 5, Moses is instructing the new generation of Israelites. They're about to enter the promised land. And he, he says this, he says in verse 33, you must follow exactly the path that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you are to possess. In Psalms, Psalms is flooded with this language of following God's way. In Psalms, in Psalm 25, David writes these words, Make, make me uh, to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. All the paths of the of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and decrees. Now we live in a culture that is obsessed with the path that we take. Even from those high school days, teachers are drilling into teenagers what they need to do or what are you going to do for your career, trying to get their, their attention, trying to help them to pursue what, what it is they're after in, for the career. Otherwise, they might get left behind. In workplaces, there's this clear uh, career progression in place to help you map out your career ahead. And in people's choices, there's this, this thing where you, you're trying to help people find what's best for them. They're meant to find your identity and go hard after it, whatever it looks like. We have this obsession with deciding our path. We have this hunger for discovering our way, the way that we are meant to go our own personal identity. And you see there's a key difference here from Scripture and our culture. Where we as our culture want to discover our way for ourselves, the people of Scripture are hungry to know God's ways, hungry to know what He says, to be guided by His Word and His love. And I'm sure many of us have have prayed that prayer, God, teach me your way. I want to know your ways, your will for my life. And we often can doubt ourselves, doubt our path and question ourselves saying like, am I following the right way? 
is where I'm leading towards what God wants or is it what I want? We can be so concerned with, am I going towards the mountain or am I going in the opposite direction? And in a sense, you know, the mountain is this picture of God's presence. It's the, the, the temple mountain place where God dwells. Are we kind of, in a sense, we can have this picture of thinking that, am I going towards what God has for me or am I going in the opposite direction? In Psalm 24, it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who don't, do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Are we that people? Am I that person? Do I hunger for God? Am I pursuing his presence? Do I seek him? Am I following his way? These questions can kind of come in into our thoughts. Now we come to the book of John. And in John chapter 13, just before the passage that we've read out, um, Jesus had his last meal with his disciples, his uh, last supper. And uh, he then goes on to tell a series of long speeches within the next four chapters. These speeches between the time of the last supper and him being arrested, these long blocks of speeches that are just filled with such great theology and thinking and just so much you can mull over as you read these um, uh, yeah, great chapters. And here in chapter 14, uh, Jesus was sharing to his disciples about, he, about how he's, he's going to go away. He's going to go somewhere and he's going to prepare a place for his disciples. And he says to them, you, you'll know the way. Don't worry, you'll know the way. And then Thomas pipes up his disciple and says what everyone in the room was thinking. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? The same question that we have, how, how are we sure that we're actually following the right path? This is his disciples, this confusing thing of like, am I going in the right direction? How can we know the way? And this just extraordinary thing that Jesus says in verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you Know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is a, a huge claim, and we, you know, this is a well known scripture, but a massive claim that Jesus is making is says, I don't just know the right way, he says, I am the way. He is the way, the path we're seeking, the road we're trying to work out. The way which we're meant to go, Jesus is the way. And we have to catch there in verse 7 that the important thing that he says is, if you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And so for us to know which way we're meant to go, we have to see the way of Jesus. And our call to see the way who is Jesus is to know him. It's to know him, to have a relationship with him, to be with him. 
And so in the beginning of this year, when we're planning and thinking about what's going to happen this year, we're trying to make decisions, we're you know, doing things like having plans and goals and ordering our lives to, to work out these new things that we can achieve. And those are good, and I've done those things. But if that is done from a place of how can I go my way, how can I order for what I want? How can I do with my life this year what, what I want to get out of this life? If that is our goal, then often that actually leads us to a confused or empty end of the year. Have I made the right turn? Did I do what was right in that decision back then? I didn't quite meet up to the goals that I had in mind, so... Am I even doing the right thing? We have these questions that gnaw at our mind. Am I going towards the mountain or am I going in the opposite direction? So God actually doesn't want us to just know my way that I'm after, but to actually soak that in him, in finding Jesus in the midst. There's uh, an Australian pastor and preacher who is in New York, John Tyson, uh, and he is uh, a bit obsessed with understanding revivals. Uh, and as a, a big family world trip, he, he took uh, a few years ago, he took his family around the world to all the places different revivals happened. Uh, he talked with locals and walked and prayed in the same places and tried to understand as much as he could. And he got back from his trip and, and he had all these people ask him, so, you know, did you discover the secret of revival? Did you figure it out? And he's like, yeah, I did. And he said, uh, the, the, the secret is this hunger. The secret is hunger. That a great move of God doesn't happen because of the ethnicity of the people or the style of worship, or which liturgy they use, or if they sing the right worship songs, or even if they knew their Bible really well. That was not the determining factor. God comes to places where there is a hunger for him. And our highest call as Christians is to truly know him, to hunger for him, to desire him, his presence, Timothy Keller, he says that knowing God means to have a personal relationship with him. And that means the mutual sharing of truth and love. There's this high call for us to hunger after Christ. And he's calling us into this personal relationship, a relationship that means we have a mutual sharing of truth and love. To know God is not just about knowing about him, but we actually need to have a relationship and have this mutual two-way conversation. You can't know someone just one way. That's not, a, that's not knowing someone. But there needs to be a sharing of truth and love. To share in truth means that you, you confess the truth to him. But you also have to be listening for the truth that God has for us, there's that sharing in truth. And so to share in truth, that you need to listen and be listened to. But to know God, you also have to have a mutual sharing of love. And so to have this sharing of love, you need to love and be loved. 
And so these two kind of aspects of what we're looking at tonight, we're going to look at how we can know God. These aspects of listening and being listened to and loving and being loved. This, this is how he's calling us to, to know him and to hunger for him. And so firstly, to listen and be listened to. John 14 verse 15 again says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. This is a beautiful picture of the Trinity at work. Jesus asks the Father and he will give us the Spirit. And in each way we know God as we connect with God, the, uh, the God of tr the Trinity, the Godhead of uh, who we worship. And it's, it, it starts, this statement, it starts with Jesus saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It starts with us paying attention to him, to listening to God, to investing in what God has said through his word, to actually investing in listening to him. And the Bible is a, a rich fountain of understanding God, of knowing about God. Back in Deuteronomy 5 again, uh, verse 33, it says, You must follow exactly the path of the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live. It's about this listening and responding to the commandments of God. And commandments aren't just about rules, but it's, it's about instruction. It's about delighting in, in his instruction and how he can guide us and lead us. And right after that, that verse in Deuteronomy 5 uh, comes chapter 6. And in chapter 6, there's one of the most famous Jewish prayers, a prayer that Jesus himself uh, saw as really important uh, to the message that he was bringing. And it was Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the uh, famous Shema prayer, uh, called the Shema for its, its first word in the prayer, which is to hear, to Shema. And for the Jewish people, to Shema something wasn't just about hearing it so audibly so it comes into your ears, but it, to Shema was to actually listen and obey. If there was no obedience attached to that, then that, that, that wasn't really Shema. There was this connection about listening and obeying. Now, we all have times where we're listening to people and we're not really kind of, we're not thinking that this is something that I'm going to do. Uh, we kind of are listening to people half, yeah, yeah, nice one. And we, we know that we're not going to apply what they're saying to our lives. We've all been there, guys. We've all been there. Uh, I uh, have a beautiful 90-year-old um, neighbour who is lovely. She's an amazing person. She's very generous and kind. Uh, she's a great neighbour. She's continually giving us jars of honey, lemon butter, uh, treats for the girls. Today she brought over some cake. Um, she's a very lovely lady and uh, uh, we are privileged to have her as a neighbour. But sometimes uh, she was brought up in a different time. She was 90. She just celebrated her 90th birthday this week. Uh, and she was brought up in a different time. She often talks about um, 
uh, the, the time that she was brought up, how her husband would just work nonstop, just go out for her and do all he can to work. And she would be at home raising the children and uh, she was the sole carer and did everything for her children. And then she sees us in our life and she's not afraid to just say, I, uh, we never did things like this. I never had days off. We didn't have this rest stuff. We, you know, I cared for the children all the time. And, you know, I have times where I care for the kids and Michaela can go out and she's like, we never did things like this. Uh, and so there are times when I'm like, that's, that's really great. Um, I, that's, uh, you listen to her, but you're not going to kind of take in what she's saying. You're not going to apply that to your life because we live in a different time and I don't want to live in that way. And so there are times that we listened and we hear what people are saying, but we're not actually going to do anything about it. And sometimes we can do that with God's word. Sometimes that we can do that with God's voice speaking to us. We can hear what's going on, but we're actually not going to apply it to our lives. Now, the Shema kind of living, what Jesus is inviting us into is to actually listen for it to affect our lives, for it actually to apply to what is going on. To listen to God is to allow his word to speak to our every day. It's not just reading your chapter for the day so that you can get it done and feel like you're, you're doing well. It's not just about knowing all you can so that you can be smarter and more you know, knowledgeable about what's happening in the Bible. But it's about applying the word of God to our own circumstance. Listening is actually to let it soak into us so that it can affect how we live. We don't want to just learn about God, but we actually want to know him. Know him, not just about him. Actually know him. And so it's getting more of scripture and understanding. I mean, that's a good thing to read the scripture and soak into it. But it's something greater than that to actually let it affect you. And in verse 16, it says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. This is amazing, that God... Jesus, as he asked the Father, he will give us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to actually be with us and in us, to soak in us, that we don't just read the Word and just kind of forget about it, but we ask the Holy Spirit to actually speak to us and reveal himself to our lives so that we can apply his Word to our lives. We listen to him. We follow him. We hunger for him, to know him, to truly know him and we're able to do this because he's in us he's in us abiding dwelling within us so there's this this listening that happens but we also there's a being listened to we don't just listen to god we don't just kind of learn all we can about god but we actually need a mutual sharing of this truth by actually being listened to and that requires us speaking that requires us actually conversing with god that requires us praying actually sharing our lives with God. To know him is not just to kind of learn about him, but that's actually to speak to him. J.I. Packer, he, he says, how are we to do this? How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? 
The rule for doing this is demanding but simple. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. And so we're learning things about God and we actually turn those things that we learn, his instruction into matter, into something that's of substance that we can meditate before God and it leads us to pray and praise. It leads us to actually live a life that is, is bringing requests before God. It leads us to live a life of gratitude before God. It leads us to actually speak and converse with God. This is what, what it is to know Him, to actually live a life of, of listening to him, him and being listened to. And so how, how often do you have this conversation? How often are you venting with God? When's the last time you maybe even confessed to God? How often are you approaching God with your concerns, with what you need, or what's the you know, thing that you've asked for from God in the last week? Or you know, Do we have moments in our life we can actually request and come to God and He listens to us? He's there for us. And so we need to have this hunger for him to actually request and bring who we are to him. To know him means that we are sharing who we are with God. And so the step is acknowledging, firstly, that God is in us. He's with us, but we also need to speak and declare. And if, you know, if, if that's something that, where would you start? There's so many questions that I could bring to God. I, you know, I recommend even just slowly reading through the Lord's Prayer. That's an amazing place to start. You could do that every day, reading slowly through the different lines in the Lord's Prayer and meditating on what Jesus is saying for us to pray. Uh, such important things. In each step of those lines, there are moments of, of listening to God, but also being listened to. Beautiful prayer, obviously, because Jesus is amazing. And so we need to mark our day with, with moments of listening to and being listened by God. Secondly, we need to love and be loved. In John 14, verse 22, it says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to, me, to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is an incredible statement here. We will come to them and make our home with them. Now the home... The house of God was known as the temple in the days of the uh, Old Testament. The temple was the house of God where his spirit dwelt. It was a holy place where God was there. His presence dwelt. And what Jesus here is saying is that how will we know that we love him? It's the Father will come to us and make his home, his abode, in us, this is the same word for abide, or the same root word as the, the word abide that gets used so so often in the book of John here. That he's making his home in us, his abode in us, dwelling with us. 
Now, this concept of, of God being with us is this connection with the temples in the Old Testament and begins in, um, in uh, the book of Genesis, in Genesis 28, with the story of Jacob's ladder. And in this story, um, Jacob was fleeing the promised land, running from his brother Esau uh, because he'd lied and cheated his way to getting the birthright uh, and the prayer of blessing from his dad. He, Jacob was, he was a scoundrel. He was a deceiver as his name means. But God met him on the road as he was fleeing. And he went to sleep and dreamt. And he uh, saw before him a, a staircase leading up to the skies, leading up to the heavens, and angels, messengers coming up and down upon the stairs from the heavens to the earth. And now this, this would have been a picture that would have been probably familiar to him. It wouldn't have been unusual in the ancient Near East in that time. Uh, the nations around them would have understood that picture of a staircase leading up because just in those days, that's, that's what all the gods would do. That they would, the gods would be on the high mountains and that the um, earthlings would be here down below on the earth. And there would be messengers coming up and down, giving the instructions from the heavens, from, from the gods. And so this would have been a familiar picture. But what was amazing is what happens next. In the dream, Jacob sees the staircase and then the Lord stood before him. The Lord was not up there in the mountains, in the heavens. The Lord was right there next to Jacob. The Lord was conversing with Jacob right there beside him. He was not far and distant, but he was right there with him. This God, the God of his father's father, Abraham, was right there with him. And Jacob was amazed. Uh, he wakes up and he builds an altar. Uh, he declares that this place was holy ground. He calls it Bethel, the house of God. That God was not just a distant God away from us, but he was right here, close. And this was profoundly different to the way that the nations around them thought of God, their gods, and the way that the Israelites marked and, and tried to actually live in this way that God would be close. This is the idea of the tabernacle, the idea of the, then the temple to come, that God's presence could dwell in the midst of their camp in the midst of them as a people, that the holy space, the sacred space of God's presence was with them. This was incredible that it wasn't just somewhere distant, but it was there with them. There was this requirement and this holiness that, that met all these rituals needed to be taken. And, but it's this beautiful picture of God actually wanting to be with his people. That's what is just amazing about the kind of the whole scene of the temple, the, the tabernacle. Is this is a whole picture of God wanting to be with His people, and this uh, has come to its fulfilment in Jesus. This is the ultimate way that Jesus is he's kind of he's, he's actually living this. He lived this. He is the temple. When in the beginning of John, it talks about that Jesus came and tabernacled Himself among us. He came and dwelled among, among us, that he's living here. He is that new temple. And then when he goes, he sends his spirit so that we are now. He wants to actually make his home in us, that we are the living temple. 
And so what we can gather is that God actually wants to be close to us. He wants to be near us because He loves us. He loves us. When you want to be around someone, you actually care about them. You want to be with them because He loves us. And when, you know, when there are people that are doing, uh, going through difficult times, I had a friend recently who, uh, his mum passed away. And uh, as soon as I, I found out, I, I called him on the phone and all I could do was weep. I couldn't utter words. I tried to speak and I couldn't. I was just weeping with him on the phone. Right then in that moment, he, my friend didn't need me to tell him, oh, it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be sorted. He just needed me to be with him. When we're going through difficult scenarios, we, we just need people with us, who are there supporting us, who are around us. And so it is with God. One of the most amazing things is that he's there with us through all that we're going through, through the good times and through the difficult times. He is with us. His love for us is right there. And so we come to what it means to love. We first receive his love. Realize he's there with us. He loves us and wants to be with us. And that's what it means to be loved as we continue to grapple with the fact that we are loved by Christ. We are loved by God. It changes everything for us. As we receive his love, then we're enabled to love him in return. It's only then as we have been loved, as we have been given this love, we are able to also truly love him, our God. And this is, you know, this is beautiful. We, we can hear these words. I want to know God. I want to hunger for him. And it sounds good. Yeah, let's, let's challenge ourselves. I, I want to challenge myself to actually get more into prayer. And I feel like I've, I've told that to myself every year for the last 50 years, no, however long I've been alive. This is not 50. Um, <laughs> I, I, I always want to tell myself, I, I want to be better at prayer. I want to do this more. This is something that I challenge myself with. But the issue is that when we come at this angle by just wanting to be better, we've kind of missed the points, the motivation that God is calling us into. We can't just make these re resolutions to just be better at prayer and it's going to work because oftentimes I've found it's actually made it more of a struggle, made it more difficult because it's this challenge that we've got. But so this year, as we're looking at the challenge of wanting to grow in prayer, I encourage you, don't think about it from a place of, I want to be better at it. Because that re requires you having this willpower towards you just being better, you doing better at what it means to pray. What we, what we don't need is more just willpower for prayer. What we need is more joy power that we're motivated by the joy, the love of Christ, more than it is to be motivated by our own action. We're actually motivated by his love. And so just like in that story of Jacob, just after his dream, he was actually fleeing uh, to go find a wife himself in his uncle's land of Laban. Uh, and he uh, meets Rachel, 
on his adventures, uh, and he was besotted with Rachel that he spends 14 years of his life working hard, laborious work to get Rachel as his wife. And it says in the scripture, these 14 years were, were, seem just like days, a few days for Jacob because of his love for her. Jacob was operating out of a joy power. He was operating out of this desire and love that filled him, this delight for Rachel that motivated him. And so it is with this hunger and growing in prayer. Our, our hunger can't just come from, I need to be better and work harder. Our hunger needs to come from, God, I delight in you. I delight so much in who you are and how much you have blessed me and changed me, how much you are just you're incredible. I'm in wonder of who you are. And so I encourage you as we think about kind of growing in prayer, may, may your challenge be, I want to delight in God more this year. I want to delight in him. See the, the multifaceted nature and character of who God is and truly delight in him and be known by him, be loved by him so that I may love him more and more. And so we need to make space. There is space that we can make in our lives, that we can love him, that we can pray and bring who we are to God, that we can listen and then be listened to. But let it be motivated. Let it be fueled by a delight in him to truly know him. And so there are are space we have... um, for those who don't know, we have prayer meetings here uh, every Wednesday morning at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, you, you're welcome to come and pray with us uh, if you need some space to actually uh, delight more in God. Uh, we're also, in, in a couple of weekends' time, we're going to do a prayer retreat with some of the team. And so if you're interested in doing some, a prayer retreat, there's going to be space that we can delight in God. We just need, yeah, we, let's just make room to actually delight in Him and to welcome him into our lives. Believe for what he can do in us. Let us know him more this year, to listen and be listened to God, and to love and be loved by him. So we're going to come to a time of communion. Uh, The climax of us meeting together is celebrating what Jesus has done as we partake in his body and his blood and believe that he will fill us with the power of his spirit. The advocate is with us. And so let me pray and we'll come to communion. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much, that you're not far and removed from us, but you have come so close. Thank you that every time we call upon you, you are there. And so I just pray that you would come rest in our hearts and lives right now. May we be more motivated this year, not just out of our own willpower and effort to to grow closer in prayer, but to delight in you, to know you, to cherish you, Lord. Help us, God. Help us to do that. Where things get in the way, where busyness or distraction comes against that delighting in you. Help us, Lord, to remember the goodness of you, our God. 
And so empower us by your spirit, we pray. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.